Hello, and welcome to MTC Audio Lab, brought to you by Melbourne Theatre Company. MTC Audio Lab is theatre for your ears, bringing great dramatic texts to life with some of your favourite stage actors. Melbourne Theatre Company acknowledges the Yalakut Willem peoples of the Bunwarung, the first peoples of country on which these recordings took place. We pay our respects to all of Melbourne's first peoples, to their ancestors and elders, and to our shared future. In this first series, you'll hear great Australian speeches performed by some great Australian actors. Directed by MTC Associate Director Petra Khalif, these recordings give voice and recognition to important speeches and texts from our history. You'll hear an introduction to the speeches by Petra at the beginning of the episode. Miles Franklin paid homage to Henry Lawson on the 5th of September 1942, delivered at the annual ceremony arranged by the Fellowship of Australian Writers. This is Miles Franklin's homage to Henry Lawson, read by Isabella Yenner. We meet here to offer a tribute of gratitude and affection to the life and work of one of our most dearly loved Australians. Academic practitioners of letters concern themselves with the appraisal of Henry Lawson. It has been their preoccupation through the years to measure him by standard yardsticks and to lean heavily on sticks wielded by men overseas who have known literature but sometimes have not known Australia. That is to have only half the numbers on the slate, but it has been demonstrated that a writer here can attain to accepted or current standards in his work without contributing a title to Australian literature. The ableist, the most percipient of Lawson's critics, has said, his prose is that of a writer who represents a continent. By that, Lawson has earned the right to the silver trumpets of oratory. The orators and silver trumpets will come with time. Today, I attempt nothing beyond a humble personal tribute to Henry Lawson in relation to Australia, a homely and happy privilege. No Australian who has wrestled with the arges and subtleties of resolving this continent in terms of literature will discount Henry Lawson. Few have equaled him, none has yet excelled him. His achievement remains unique. This monument on this lovely site as well as the other memorial at Yurundjeri and the one at Mudgee, are part of the recognition which time is bringing to Henry Lawson. Such monuments, alas, too often are a saving of face by the living in regard to the neglected dead. First among Lawson's achievements was the embodying of the tradition of mateship. Secondly, he was one of the most powerful of that band, which in the 90s helped Australians to a realisation of their country he quickened their instinctive reaction towards it. To remain unrooted in the soil of one's permanent residence is to be forever a prey to nostalgia, a drug so potent that uncontrolled, it can innovate purpose and defer destiny. The literary artist is an illuminator. Henry Lawson lighted lamps for us in a vast and lonely habitat. I want you to come back to the 90s to recall what Lawson meant to the adolescents of that day. At concerts and other gatherings, now superannuated by the radio, youthful reciters used to let off steam and thrill to such a stanza as, England's sun was slowly setting over the hilltops far away. 
filling all the land with beauty at the close of one sad day. Lawson retracted that nostalgic vision, and the nostalgia too, perhaps, but at least he brought it home. He recalled the far-flung homesickness of the generations which had remained exiled. He made them see Australia's sunsets. One day, old trooper Campbell rode out to Blackman's Run. His cap peak and his sabre were gleaming in the sun. It may have been the sad, heartbreaking sunset to the new chum worst of all, or the sunset of the tramp who, as a bullock drags in the sandy ruts, he followed the dreary track, with never a thought but to reach the huts when the sun went down out back. Lawson felt and emphasised drought and hardship, loneliness and failure. But adolescence revels in tragedy so long as it is vicarious. Literature translates tragedy into pathos and a channel for emotion. You must have nourishment for its emotions and channels for all its glorious capacity for passion and pain and joy and sentimentality. So with Lawson, we wondered who would win her as she said her sweet goodbyes. But she died at one and twenty and was buried on the rise. We were thrilled and gooey over the fate of Harry Dale. And someone's heart still bleeds in sorrow for the drover who sleeps amid the reeds. It was rapture. It was ecstasy in the grand new discovery of our own sun to see it setting red and real and near at hand among our own trees on the ridge behind the stockyard, or to run to the top of the ridge and see it retreating over the blue-green ranges, where the mopokes would soon be calling in the misty moonlight. Henry Lawson gave us this kingdom of our own, wove it so that we could feel it around us with the comfort of a blanket on fire-warm nights. The warmth and tenderness of his writing made it vital so that he helped to give us a cosy mother country. Lawson invested the intangibles of atmosphere with reality. Young imaginations dote on slogans and phrases. Slang is mostly the gift of the young to the language. There was magic in finding our own idiom in print. There it was, dressed in the authority of book covers, which before had sheltered only forests and woods, brooks and meadows. When I was in my tens and teens, Henry Lawson was a hero glamorous with success. He had all of sympathy, all of glory that youthful adoration could bestow. In that wonderland that was opening to us, we were unaware of the struggles of literary geniuses. We could judge only by the literary product and that enchanted us. We were sure that if we could see Henry Lawson, he would understand our every delight our every aspiration, our ever-growing pain of discontent. He was a superman, the perfect big brother of our dreams. With this conception of Henry Lawson, it was inevitable that I should reach him with my literary growing pains. The result is part of the Lawson legend. With your indulgence, I should like to add my recollection of Henry Lawson in the flesh. What is so rare to critical, exacting, oversensitive youth, he fulfilled my expectations of him, and more. I remember my first sight of him. He was beautifully dressed. His linen was irreproachable. He was tall and slim with exceptional physical beauty. The beauty of his eyes is also part of his legend. His manner, it had that sensitive warmth, that winning gentleness, that understanding, 
Well, Lawson was as Lawson wrote. You had not to work up to friendliness with him. He was spontaneously a mate. He called on me, alone. He said with a humorous smile skimming across his features to find out what sort of animal I was, whether a mate or a mere miss. He would come next day to take me to his wife. The Lawsons were then living in a most delightful cottage with its garden paths embowered in shrubs. Mrs. Lawson was equally up to expectation in her friendliness, her youthfulness, her beauty. Henry Lawson was then at the height of his powers. He was preparing for the inevitable hegira to London. This lent additional romance to his doings. He was rising to increasing renown, and surely it must be accompanied by prosperity. He went to London. I came down from the bush and saw him again on his return. I recall the last time I saw him. He and his family were waving goodbye to me from the wharf as I boarded a ferry. No family group could have excelled in charm. The beauty of the parents was repeated in the two children. No other portrait of Henry Lawson has for me ever overlaid my own. Nothing blurs it nor detracts from it. It was etched indelibly by the clear-cutting mind of youth. I never saw Henry Lawson again. I too left Australia. When I returned, the earth, that Australian earth cleansed of history by an oblivion of fallowhood, lay kind upon him who had helped to give it national significance. I had no more than settled in the house after the bustle of arrival before my mother said, you must see where they have laid your friend, Henry Lawson. I'll take you tomorrow. No one can estimate what Henry Lawson may mean to the future of this country. What will be the fate of small national groups in the post-war order, no prophet can say. But having here, in this isolated paradise of the Pacific, our continuing Australian identity, then Lawson's fame will be sure with the years. Our indebtedness to him will increase because he has rendered this continent. He has helped to make Australia ours in a way that no system of land exploitation, nor even droughts and floods and pests can take it from us. A great gift from a greatly gifted man, Henry Lawson. Great Australian Speeches was directed by Petra Khalid, with performances by Sharina Clanton, Mark Cole-Smith, Mark Downey, Greg Stone, Leonie Wyman, and Isabella Yenna. Theme music by Clements Williams. Sound design and engineering by Nick Woolen. Produced by the team at MTC. Enjoyed this episode? To hear more theatrical tales, subscribe to MTC Audio Lab or learn more by heading to mtc.com.au. 